The following story has been brought to you by storiestoinspire.org. There's a fellow in Mexico. His name is Jacobo Sharem. Jacobo Sharem is a magnificent architect. And what he would do, he would design a building, then build it, and then sell it. Gracias. And with the money that he made from the building that he just sold, he'd build another building. And each time the building was more extravagant than the one he built before. Once, a number of years ago, he built such a beautiful office building in downtown Mexico. But for some reason, he was having a very difficult time selling it. It happened one day that two buyers came. And they came from another country and they were interested in buying this building. And they met with Jacobo on a Friday afternoon. The negotiations were going very well, but they were taking very, very long. And Jacobo began to realize that soon it was going to be Shabbos. Now, Jacobo Sharem and his wife Sophia were not yet Shoma Shabbos. He had been learning a little bit in the Aram Tsova Kolel together with a fellow by the name of Rabbi Shia Deutsch. And Rabbi Deutsch had inspired Jacobo to start coming to Shul every Shabbos. And so even though Jacobo and his wife would come to shul on Shabbos and his business was closed, but they were not yet completely Shabbos observant. They were not Shemesh Shabbos. But now it was only two hours before Shabbos and he said to the buyers, look, we're going to have to stop these negotiations in half an hour. I have to get ready because I'm going to the synagogue tonight. And so therefore we have to finish in a half hour. And they said, what are you talking about? We have to check the insurance policies. We have to check all the contracts. We have to check all the rooms. There's no way we're going to finish until tonight. He said, listen, if we can't stop the negotiations in a half hour, I'm going to walk away from the whole deal. Those fellas said, look, we're going back to our country tomorrow morning on Saturday, and you're going to lose this sale. He said, I'm sorry. And sure enough, they ended the negotiations and he wasn't able to sell the building. That Friday night, when he went to shul, he began thinking, maybe I did something silly. I lost the opportunity to sell that building. And who knows, there are other Shabbosets coming up in the future, and I could go to shul then. But he discussed it with his wife, Sophia, and they decided that it was the right thing to have done. Well, you would not believe what happened. Two weeks later, in the Aceres Yemei Tshuva on Thursday morning, September 19, 1985, one of the worst tragedies ever happened in Mexico. There was a tremendous earthquake where buildings crumbled and houses fell and fires started and sadly, 4,561 people were killed and 14,236 were injured. Every single building in downtown Mexico crumbled, except one, the building that Jacobo Sharem had built. He was such a great architect that he foresaw the possibility of such a severe earthquake and with Hashem's help, that building stood. A couple days later, when the Mexican government had to have offices, they rented most of the offices in that building for a lot of money. And then the other agencies and other businesses in downtown Mexico, they also needed office space. 
And so his building was totally rented. Every single office in that building was indeed rented, and Jacobo, Sherem, and Sophia became very wealthy. And from that moment on, they became Shemesh Shabbos. Now, he never told this story to anyone, but years later, when he finished the first Masechta that he learned with Rabshia Deutsch in the Aram Tova Kolo, he showed the helicopter view of all the buildings that fell down, except his. And it was only because of his Shmir Shabbos and his love for Shabbos that he didn't sell that building, and he became the wealthy person and the great Balstoka that he is today. I had this chus to meet Jacobo when I went to Mexico. And what a chus, what a wonderful thing to meet such a special person who Hashem helped because of his Shmira Shabbos. In 1966, Sam Zeitlin of Brooklyn was a member of the American National Cycling Team. He was a great cyclist, and he even won the 1965 New York State Sprint Championship. He was known as the Jewish boy. Well, that wasn't always so good because there were many people on the team that didn't like him because he was Jewish, and they made many, many anti-Semitic remarks at him. In 1967, he was in the Grand Prix of the Americas in Northbrook, Illinois. He actually finished first. But as he went over the finish line, he had his hands off the handlebars. He raised his hands in victory, and they disqualified him. They said that that was a very dangerous move because he had raised his hands before the finish line in victory, and that somehow endangered the spectators that were near the finish line. Well, Sam looked it up, and never before had they enforced that rule, and never afterwards. So now he felt that it was only because of the anti-Semitism that they ruled against him. And he knew that if he wanted to succeed as a great cyclist, he'd have to go somewhere else. So he decided to go to Eretz Yisrael. Now in Eretz Yisrael, there were the Maccabea Games, and he also became a champion in Eretz Yisrael. And as the years went on, he knew that in 1972, there would be the Olympics in Munich, Germany, and possibly, Israel would send a cycling team to compete against all the other countries. During those years, he once went to the Kaisel at night, and as he was davening the little that he knew, he was not religious at the time, all he knew was the Shema Yisrael, and as he was standing there, he saw two young yeshiva boys, Chaim and David Goldberg. They had been former Talmidim in the Tells Yeshiva, and now they were learning by Rabbi David Salavechik in Yerushalayim. He got into a conversation with them, and they seemed very friendly. And they introduced him to a mutual friend, Rav Gershon Weinberger, who came from Chicago. Rav Gershon and Sam hit it off very well, and Rav Gershon would invite Sam many times Friday night, and soon he began giving Sam a warmth and a geschmack for Yiddishkeit. And one of the songs that Rab Gershon sang so often on Shabbos was that song, Shabbos Hayoim Lashem. Shabbos is the day for Hashem. The song really got into the neshama, into the soul of Sam Zeitlin, that he started calling himself by his real Hebrew name, which was Shimon Pesach. And after a while, Rab Gershon Weinberger suggested to him, you know, I have a good friend, his name is Rab Noyach Weinberg. 
He's opening up a yeshiva soon. It's called Yeshiva Mogen Avram. It's going to be in Bnei Brak. Would you like to join that yeshiva? And wouldn't you believe it? Sam, or now, as he was known, Shimon Pesach, became the fifth Talmud in that yeshiva, Mogen Avram. And eventually, that Mogen Avram yeshiva moved to Yerushalayim, and it became the famous Eish HaTori yeshiva of Yerushalayim. Now, Rab Noyach Weinberg encouraged Shimon Pesach to continue his cycling, and he said, you could make a great Kiddush Hashem. Imagine, a Frum boy is going to reach the Olympics, and who knows, if you win a gold medal, that would be a tremendous Kiddush Hashem all around the world. And so he would learn in the morning, and in the afternoon he would practice his cycling on the Tel Aviv Highway. He did his pedaling, his calisthenics, his jumping rope, riding hills, and he was going very, very well. Ultimately, the time came to take that test to see who could make that cycling team that would go to the Olympics. But the final testing to see who could make the team was held on Shabbos. That test was going to be held on Shabbos. And when Shimon Pesach realized this, he said to the head of the cycling team, to the coach, we can't do that on Shabbos. That's Chilo Shabbos. Let's do the testing any other time. And the coach said to him, listen to me. This is how we do it in Israel. We're not going to change even for you. And Shimon Pesach said, you're not going to be able to send a team if I'm not on your team. And you know that. And the coach still wouldn't budge. And sure enough, he didn't go to the final testing. And although they were able to put together a cycling team, but they did not send a cycling team to the Olympics in Munich because they knew that without Sam Zeitlin, there was no chance that they could win. Well, many of you know that in Munich, Germany in 1972, Israel did send some teams. They sent a fencing team, a wrestling team, and a rifle shooting team. And Nebuch, two of the Israeli athletes were kidnapped and they were killed by Palestinian terrorists. And then nine other Israeli athletes were taken hostage. And then in the airport, the Germans had a shootout and Nebuch, nine Israeli athletes were killed. And when Shimon Pesach Zeitlin heard about this in Bnei Brak, all he could think of was that Shabbos song that so many of us sing, Ki Eshmerah Shabbos, Kael Yishmereni. When I watch Shabbos, Hashem will protect me. And indeed, Hashem protected him. And Shimon Pesach Zeitlin told me that he feels that his life was saved only because he was a Shemesh Shabbos. In 1953, the United States was involved in a war against Korea. They lost 30,000 soldiers. Outside of Augusta, Georgia, there was an army base, a United States army base called Camp Gordon. There was a chaplain there, a rabbi, and his name was Rabbi Shraga Zev, or Philip Zimmerman. And he had a chapel where Jewish servicemen could come to Gavin whenever they wanted. And especially Friday night, Jewish servicemen would come to Daven there. One Friday night, the Jewish servicemen came to him and said, Chaplain, I need your help desperately. And Rabbi Zimmerman said to him, Sit down, Shabbat Shalom, how can I help you? And the serviceman said very nervously, Chaplain, I have three letters here. The first letter says that I'm supposed to be transferred to Korea Sunday morning. 
But I have two other letters. These letters are from my parents' heart doctors. They're cardiologists. I have elderly parents and I am an only child. We all survived the Second World War, the Holocaust, together. And if they find out that I have to be transferred to Korea, they will die from fright from a heart attack. Please get me a compassionate transfer. Rabbi Zimmerman said, I don't know how I can do that. We're in the middle of war, but I'll do whatever I can. The next morning, of course, was Shabbos morning. And of course, Rabbi Zimmerman couldn't drive. It was Shabbos. So he walked six miles to the head of the army base to see General James. James was surprised to see Rabbi Zimmerman so early in the morning. And he said, Rabbi, what are you doing here so early in the morning? And Rabbi Zimmerman said, I have a great favor to ask of you. And he told him the story about the serviceman from New York who survived the Holocaust with his elderly parents and that he was supposed to go to Korea on Sunday morning. He said, General, I'm asking you for a compassionate transfer for the serviceman because of the ill health of his elderly parents. And General James said, Rabbi, we're in the middle of a war here. There's no way I can change this. And he said, you know, the orders will not be changed. And then he took a look at the chaplain's lapel of his uniform. And he said, look what you have here. You have the Ten Commandments on your lapel. They're made out of stone. Do you know why the Ten Commandments were made out of stone? Because stones can't be broken. And my laws are like stone. And they cannot and will not be broken. And so therefore, there's no transfer and no reassignment. Well, Rabbi Zimmerman felt terrible, but there was nothing he could do. And to tell you the truth, he was surprised at how angry General James was about this whole situation. And as the general watched the chaplain go out, he said to him, Chaplain, where's your Jeep? He said, Sir, I have no Jeep. He said, What do you mean you have no Jeep? You walked here at six miles from where you're stationed. He said, That's right, General. I walked here six miles, and I'll walk back six miles. It's my Sabbath. I just wanted to help that serviceman, but I can't get into a Jeep on my Sabbath. Well, General James could just not believe that. General James pointed to Rabbi Zimmerman and said, Come back in here. And when Rabbi Zimmerman came into the office, General James picked up the telephone. And he said, Get me Colonel Wright. Colonel Wright was the second in command. Listen to me, Colonel. I give you the order right now that the servicemen from New York should be transferred to Governor's Island. And with my instructions, he must visit his elderly parents every night in New York and make sure that my orders are carried out. Well, Rabbi Zimmerman was stunned. He just couldn't believe it. And of course, the whole thing happened only because General James saw the unbelievable Shmir Shabbos that this Rabbi Zimmerman was willing to do. And the Kiddush Hashem that he made and that's what affected General James, who said that his laws were not going to be changed. Well, we learned from this something very special. That when someone is Makade Shabbos, someone keeps Shabbos holy, everyone, Yidin and non-Jews alike, are impressed and a great Kiddush Hashem is made. The story was told to me by a great tzaddik in Yerushalayim named Rav Yisrael Grossman, who I was very close to. And this story is about his father, Rav Zalman Grossman. Now, Rav Zalman had a very interesting custom. 
He never slept on Shabbos. And he would tell his children, the reason that I don't sleep on Shabbos is because Shabbos is the queen. The queen comes only once a week. So who's the king? Every Jew is the king. So if I am a king, I want to spend as much time as possible with the queen. And so therefore on Shabbos, I don't sleep. Unfortunately, Rav Zalman was very poor. And in 1912, he came to America and he opened up an office in the Lower East Side of Manhattan. Now, this office was for the sake of raising money for the yeshiva named Ohel Moshe in Eretz Yisrael. And what he did was he had numerous people going around the United States collecting money for the yeshiva Ohel Moshe. They would bring it to Rab Zalman and Rab Zalman would send it on to Eretz Yisrael. Now, he had three little rooms in a building and the back room was where he lived. He had a little table and a little chair and a bed against the wall. So now it's one Friday night, and he's making Kiddush. He's alone in the back room, and as he's making Kiddush, suddenly he gets a terrible oh. sharp pain in the side of his stomach, and he falls to the ground. The wine spills all over the place, and Nebuchadnezzar, he was so paralyzed from pain, he couldn't even crawl to the telephone to call for help. And he was just moaning and groaning, and he lie there in a semi-conscious state. Now... At the same time, one of the people that had gone around collecting for this Yeshiva Oil Moshe was a man by the name of Rav Nochem. Rav Nochem was by some relatives in Manhattan, and he remembered that Rav Zalman doesn't sleep on Shabbos, so he could go to him late Friday night, and he could visit with him. Well, he knocks on the door where Rav Zalman is supposed to be. He knows Rav Zalman is going to be up, and there's no answer. He can't believe it. Rav Zalman never sleeps on Shabbos. Huh. So he puts his ear to the door, and he hears groaning and moaning, and he realizes somebody's in pain, there's something terrible, and he knocks on the door again, he says, Rab Zalman, Rab Zalman, are you okay? And when there's no answer, he gets two policemen, they come up, and they start listening also, and they hear moaning and groaning, and they smash down the door, and they saw Rab Zalman lying on the floor. They quickly rushed him to the hospital, and wouldn't you know it, he had an emergency appendix operation. And the doctor said afterwards that if he would have been on the floor another half hour, he could have died. He was saved, miraculously. And you know something? On Motzei Shabbos, Rab Nochem came to visit Rab Zalman in the hospital. And Rab Zalman said a remarkable thing. He said, how did I get to be saved? Because you, Rab Nochem, came to visit me. Because you knew that I don't sleep on Shabbos. Because I have a certain zahirus, a certain care and love for Shabbos. And we know that song. Ki eshmer Shabbos, kel yishmereni. When a person observes Shabbos, Hashem will watch. And because I observed Shabbos in this very special way, Hashem brought you to me and that was how I got saved. And we learn a great lesson from this. Rabbi Yisrael Grossman told me, Rabbi Yisrael, who was the son of Rabbi Salman, we see that if you observe the Shabbos and you beautify the Shabbos and you consider it so special, Hashem will protect you. Let us all make a commitment in our Shabbos observance so that we should merit that Hashem should protect us in the most beautiful and precious and safe ways. Little Yitzela Eisenbach, 
was a lively eight-year-old boy who grew up in Yerushalayim more than 80 years ago. He was a friendly little boy, always helpful to everyone and just a joy to be around. One Shabbos afternoon, he decided to walk from his home in Yerushalayim to the Kaisal Maravi. To get there, he had to walk through the Yaffa Gate and then he had to walk through an Arab neighborhood. And now, as he walked along happily, he suddenly noticed a large, bright gold coin on the sidewalk. Now, he knew the value of that coin could support his family, which was quite poor. It could support the family for two weeks. But it was Shabbos, and he couldn't pick up the coin because it was Mukta. It's not permissible to be handled. So he therefore decided to put his foot on the coin to cover it, and he would just stand there. And he decided he's going to wait till after Shabbos, and then he would take it home. Now, Shabbos was going to end in four hours, but he figured he could stand there for four hours. Well, he was standing there for a while, trying not to make himself obvious, and then an older Arab boy came over to him and he said, Hey, what are you doing there, just standing there? Well, Yitzhak didn't want to tell him the reason, so he said, I'm just standing here looking around. But you're not moving, the Arab boy said. You're only standing in one place. And the Arab boy, who was much taller and bigger than him, was getting closer to Yitzhak and he towered over him. Well, he started saying, I'm standing on something which I can't pick up because it's Shabbos. And when the Arab boy heard that he can't pick up something, he pushed Yitzhak down. And, of course, the Arab boy saw that there was a gold coin there. He picked it up and he ran away. Yitzhak was devastated. He knew there's no point of chasing that boy who was much bigger than him, especially chasing an Arab boy in an Arab neighborhood. So he just turned and he walked home very sadly. Later that afternoon, he went to Davin Mincha. And instead of helping in the shul as he usually did, he would set up the chairs, the tables, and put out the food for the men for Shalashudas. He just sat in his corner very unhappy. Now, the robe of the shul, Rav Nochem Tversky, was the Chernobyl Rebbe. And he noticed Yitzhak sitting alone. And he went over to him and he said softly, Yitzhak, we need you. Why are you sitting alone? You seem so sad. But it's Shabbos. It's a day to be happy. Yitzhak told him the whole story. The Rebbe took Yitzhak by the hand and he said softly, My child, come to the table with me. Everyone is waiting for you. And then after Shabbos, I'd like you to come with me to my house. Well, Yitzhak sat and participated in the Shalashudas. And after Shabbos, he went with the Rebbe he went to the Chernobyl Rebbe's home. The Rebbe took out a gold coin that was exactly the coin that Yitzchok had seen earlier that day. Here, this is now yours. You could have it, the Chernobyl Rebbe said to Yitzchok. Yitzchok couldn't believe his eyes. But then the Rebbe said, I'm giving it to you on one condition, that you give me the schar, the reward, for the great mitzvah you did today. You see, the Chernobyl Rebbe said, you made a great Kiddush Hashem today. You showed how important the mitzvah of Shabbos is, and at the same time, you observed Shabbos at a great cost. Your reward for both of those things is remarkable. I would like that reward. So you keep the coin, and the reward will be mine. Yitzhak thought for a moment. He hadn't realized that what he had done was so special and so significant. Rebbe, he said, if the mitzvah I did is so valuable, then it's not for sale. The Chernobyl Rebbe smiled at this precious boy and kissed him on the forehead. I'm so proud of you, he said, beaming. 
Years later, when Yitzhila told this story to his children and grandchildren, he said it was this lesson that I learned from the Chernobyl Rebbe that taught me more than anything else the true value of mitzvahs, especially the mitzvah of Shabbos. Enjoyed this story? Come again. Bring a friend. Stories to inspire.org.